Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call and glad to have you here with me tonight where you have Brother Jamie Walden. He's going to be joining us here in a few minutes. And uh, if you don't know Brother Jamie from Omega Dynamics, I'm sure you do. You've listened to the Remnant Call and uh, we're going to get him on here to talk about what's been going on from his perspective and uh, his life and let him share some of the stuff that's on his heart. But Folks, I want to talk to you something serious. Um, if you didn't get to hear last week's program, you got to go hear last week's program on the Bear Awakens. Um, it was a piece of prophecy that Brother Demetri Dudeman uh, read, but it, it was the end of that prophecy that that shook my father up. That my, out of nowhere, my dad's like, "Hey, son, you got to talk to me. You want to share that with me?" And when I read it again, yeah, you know, I'd read it probably years ago, but it, it hit me. And, and you need to listen to that, folks, because this is important times that we're living in. Um, but I also want to start off by just saying um, thank God for good friends in the Lord. And uh, Brother David Murray, um, Benjamin's on here a lot, um, great friends. With the, Brother David, the other night, um, talked to him. And you've heard my journey over the last three weeks and you know now and almost four weeks. It's been hard. It's been very difficult. And uh, – I just praise God. Brother David called me, and I was just able to break um, with a good friend and 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 weep. And uh, he's, he prayed, and I just thank God um, for Brother David Murray and Benjamin and all those that come on the remnant call that just bless the show. We are living in troubling times, and and I'm thankful for good friends. Um, there are a lot of people. I know you feel like there's nobody out there, but folks, there are people out there. And even if you don't have any friends right now, you got the Remnant Call show. If you're listening, and uh, we're here, this is a a military. We are fighting a battle for the end times, and and we are about the souls of men. And I'm going to start off with a word of prayer tonight. And I want to get into something here, and we'll bring Brother Jamie on. So if you just pray with me, Father, in the name above every name, Jesus, I pray that you would bless this show. Bless myself, Brother Jamie, as we come on here, Lord, to talk about what is on your heart. These are incredibly serious times, Lord. These are incredibly dangerous times. And, Lord, we know that it will not get better until you come again. So, Lord, please come quickly. But until then, we ask, Lord, that you would sustain, that you would, uh, Lord, strengthen our spirit man. Prepare us, Lord, so that we are ready to not only go into these last days, but to listen intently to your voice is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, we are living in a time of not just war, but holy war. And the reason that it's holy is because we are fighting for the souls of men. This war is about an end time. It is about a battle that's been going on for thousands of years, good versus evil. And God is preparing us to face this final holy war that is going to take place at the very end of time. As a matter of fact, it's already beginning to take place. And I want to just share a quick story because in the Bible— there are a few places that scholars will tell you that are known as holy war. We know that Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and you know, and uh, we know that's holy war. But one of the other places in the Bible that are known truly as holy war, and that is the battle at Jericho. And Joshua was the leader at that time. And Joshua had had some instructions. He was about ready. God was getting ready to take his army against a city whose walls they could not penetrate. And they, God had been raining down for years now, every day except on Sabbath, that he had been raining down um, enough bread for them to sustain on. There was still manna falling from heaven. But right as they're getting ready to go up against there, God stops the manna falling from heaven. And now on top of that, Joshua is commanded to now circumcise the entire male military because they hadn't been circumcising while they were in the desert. And so here he is circumcising the people. So we look at this and we're like, wow, this must be the worst military uh, plan ever in history. You cut off their food supply. 
that's being delivered every day to the door, right? They just got to go out and pick it up. You're taking them against a city they cannot penetrate, and you cripple your entire military. Because God was preparing the children of Israel to know what it was like to completely rely upon him. But before they went, before they went in the city, God still had one thing that they needed to deal with. He needed to deal with Joshua, the man of God whom the Lord told Joshua that he would magnify Joshua in the sight of all the people, just like he did Moses, so that they would see that the Lord was with Joshua also. But before this battle, he really needed to deal with Joshua personally. Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says this, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Now Joshua's there, and he sees somebody with a sword, and Joshua's like, Hey, man, you can hear it in his voice. Hey, are you for us or are you for them? Joshua had no idea who he was talking about. Continuing in verse 14, and he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's, this is the captain of Yahweh, Lord's host unto Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place wherein thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. You see, Joshua had confidence in his leadership because the Lord was there with him. But the Lord was trying to teach Joshua that before he goes into the battle, he needs to understand who it is is fighting for him. It was the Lord, and that the Lord is holy, and when the Lord is in your presence, that is holy ground. Because when Joshua finally understood it wasn't about him, and he saw who it was that was standing there with him, the Bible said he hit the ground on his face, and he worshiped. Folks, we need to have that kind of a revelation right now of the Lord with us, and hit the ground on our faces and begin to worship, because holy war is only possible when we understand that is God is the one who is doing the fighting. They don't need manna falling from heaven. It doesn't matter if they've just been circumcised. It doesn't matter if they're going against a city whose walls cannot be penetrated. If God is with you, anything is possible because holy war is biblical. And the Bible is calling us in this hour to holy war to save the lost souls of men. United States, I'm sorry. I'm not here to save you. I've loved this country. I fought. I, I would do anything for this country. Okay. I served in the military. Of my, I went in on my own free will because I love this country. But I love the Lord. I now serve in a different military. And my leader is Jesus Christ. And folks, I'm telling you, this is the time for holy war. And I've got no better of a guest to bring on tonight than Brother Jamie Walden, who knows about war, who knows what it's like to fight for the country, but even more than that, he knows what it's like to fight for the holy things of God. And so with that, I'm going to bring on Jamie. Jamie, are you here with me? Yeah, I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me on. Amen. Praise God, brother. I'm, I'm getting myself so fired up right now. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, these are intense times. Brother, last time we had you on the show, that was an intense period for you that you went through. And uh, so we bless God for your uh, uh, being on here and being back tonight. But you have lately been going through, I've looked at your series uh, of what you've been sharing about living in hostile territory. But brother, I know that war, holy war has been on your mind lately because things are getting dangerous, brother. So um, share with us a little bit this evening about what's been going on since the last time you were on the Remnant Call, and what do you see happening right now in the United States? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are lining up right now in the United States, you know, not to get hot and heavy on the geopolitics and geostrategy of it all, but but basically there's, for lack of a better word, without creating too much consternation in people's spirits, is there's an imminent uh, kinetic invasion in the United States that uh, is is being pre-positioned right now. 
um, from from uh, guys that I'm aware of in different intelligence communities and at the Pentagon. They say as early as by the end of this summer, they're having to move up their timeline because of the Fauci email dump and everything else like that, where they intended to do the, uh, that. this is, so anyway, we can't have a myopic worldview, right? Like Colonial Pipeline, the JBL meat shutdowns, all of our uh, three steel smelting plants are on fire right now. There's a cyber attack on this and a cyber attack on that. There was uh, Chinese surveillance drones caught over multiple military bases just this last week. Uh, there's there's a lot of positioning of assets. This is their last ditch effort uh, before they they come in and occupy. And you know what? It shouldn't surprise us. We cannot be among those who have that neo-Babylonian blindness, right? Where where we don't know and understand the reality of what the enemies of this nation have been doing because of our wickedness, right? I mean, I, I always think about that with, with them drinking out of the golden vessels of the Lord that very night when the handwriting was written on the wall. Because I, I go to my what I know logically and tangibly, right, is the logistics that it took for those enemy troops, these Syrian troops to be there that night. It was two years by my studies. It took them two years of over the desert travel with the logistics to come against Babylon for that specific night with 200 plus thousand fighting men. And then usually I know in militaries today, it's about times seven or times eight of that many people for logistics in order to undergird those fighting men. And you're trying to tell me that nobody knew and understood that the ha- that 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 was going to happen that night. And that's exactly what we have right now in America with this neo-Babylonian blindness, which we're told prophetically is the normalcy bias of the last church dispensation. It will be like the days of Noah, la-di-da, right up until the floodwaters came. They will say they're wealthy and in need of nothing, yet they're wretched, pitiful, bored, blind, and naked. In a single day and a single hour, I saw the smoke rising from our cities. In a single day and a single hour, the trumpets start pl- stop playing, the music stops playing, the center of global economic trade stops, the center, uh, the center of uh, global economic precious metals exchange stops, the center of of uh, entertainment of the whole world stops. Look at Mystery Babylon. Look at all the character attributes of Mystery Babylon. In a single day, in a single hour, it stops while they thought the music would just keep on playing. And that's what we're seeing right now in our generation. Not in our generation. We're seeing this right now in real time. And it's happening in real time. And still, the church has their fingers and their ears and their hands over their eyes saying, la, 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 don't want to hear it. Just tell me how super special I am to the Lord. The bottom line is that there is a holy war being waged and it's being waged in the unseen realms and it's breaking out into our corporal reality. And we have a position to play on that battlefield and it's a very good position. I mean, what you were speaking to with the introduction of the show about about Joshua, you know, and this precedence of him having to know and understand his identity in Christ alone. That warrior who stood before him, the captain of the Lord of the Heavens armies is a Christophany. It was Christ himself. That's why Christ Jesus is called the captain of our salvation New Testament because he'd only revealed himself as the captain of the Lord of the heavens armies to Joshua. And there he is. It, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord, like a mighty man, will stir up his zeal like a man of war. To gird up your sword around your waist, O glorious one. You are like arrows, polished arrows in the quiver of the true and better warrior, the Lord God Almighty. Like this is the language, right? Because this is the warfare. The son of man was made manifest for this reason that he might destroy the works of the evil one do not dare presuppose that christ came to bring peace he came to bring a sword because there's a war and the war is for the glory of his father and of the king and of a kingdom and the son wants to glorify the father and the father wants to glorify the son and the father and the son has said hey we're gonna choose you those with ears to hear who would put their hope and belief in us. And we will also at the appointed time, we will glorify you if you persevere and endure to the end. This is first Peter run one, right? Like, so, so there's this holy war raging across the whole spectrum. And it is only, only those who have a knowing of their God that will overcome. Those who have a knowing of their God, like Moses, Hey, listen, Moses, the Egyptians you see today, you're not going to see tomorrow. Okay, just so you know, you need only stand firm. The battle is not yours, but the Lord. Hey, hey, Joshua, guess what? Hey, listen, I have delivered the cities and its kings and all of its mighty men into into your hands. You just need to show up. Listen, the battle's not yours, but it's mine. Hey, Jehoshaphat, 
He's, he's alarmed, right? Second Chronicles 20, this great army's coming against him. He goes, I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. And he says, listen, march out. Put those who sing and worship at the head of the army. You will not have to fight this battle. I will fight it for you. Only proclaim that my unfailing love endures forever. And to the last day saints, he goes, listen, gents. I'm not going to lay anything else up on you or that you endure to the end. Do not forsake your first love. Stand firm. Stand and withstand with my son dawned over you. Literally the armor of heaven, which is my son. It's the armor of God. It's Christ Jesus is your helmet, is your salvation, your helmet. And he is your blessed prey, your righteousness. And he is your shield. He is the one who is faithful. He is the truth. He is the war belt shout around your waist. He is the peace that you now have with God, where once you were his enemy, that shods your feet so that you don't turn your ankles in the tumult of the battle, right? And it's like, because of this, and in a knowing of me, you actually can be among those who overcome, not among those who are overcome. You do not have to fear bad news. And in fact, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a soundness of mind. That's a mind so frenal in the Greek that has been salvaged and delivered and rescued from illogical, absurd, or highly emotional thoughts. That's what I've given you. And he goes, listen, so in a knowing of me by the blood of the lamb and a knowing of who I am, so therefore your testimony and not loving your life so much as you're afraid to lose it because you know that it's hidden in me from everlasting to everlasting. I, by my power, am going to guard you home to your reward. It's spotless, unspoiled, unfading. It's being kept in heaven for you, and I'm going to get you home to it. So in a knowing of me, you will actually overcome all these things in this life. And that's why it's says Daniel 11:32 that those who know their God will be strong and go forth and do exploits it's that they know their God and like you were saying at the beginning that's what Joshua had to know and understand in order to wage holy war it has nothing to do with the strength of my faith it has nothing to do with my eschatology it has nothing to do with my learnedness it has nothing to do with my aj squaredness it has nothing to do with my youthfulness or my physical acumen or my my ment or my my uh, mental acumen it has nothing to do with my religiosity it's that i know my god it's not about the strength of my faith it's about the object of my faith jesus christ the captain of my salvation the lord of the heavens armies messiah ben david the rider on the horse whose name is faithful and true who rides out in justice and judgment to make war against all of his enemies and yet he calls me friend I know my God and I know he will not Amen. be mocked and I know that he will not be, he will not, he's not to be trifled with. I fear him. I know him. I love him and I revere him all at the same time. And I am in his ranks. He has enlisted me by his blood and it is an eternally, uh, it is an eternally immovable army that will go from everlasting to everlasting. So I go, I know my God, boy, you can't take my life enemies without and enemies within it's not it's not yours to take it's his you want to deal with me you go ask my father you go ask my captain he's the one who gives me the marching in you cannot take my life it has been bought and paid for with something incorruptible and imperishable the blood of the king of glory and so there is a holy war being waged and we have been enlisted should we choose to like you said just like yeah i know you and i both served in the marine corps it is voluntary it is voluntary to enlist into the ranks of the true and better warrior king Jesus. You you get that choice if you should choose to. And it and it's it's an enduring military. It's an enduring army and it's filled with ethos and codes of conduct and codes of character and this and this radiant esprit de corps and this steadfast coalition forces both seen and unseen and it is immovable and we're given these wonderful weapons of warfare that are enduring and we're told to go out worshiping into battle and watch what God will do on our behalf and I go man where are my brothers and sisters that are going to stand up and get in the fight not because they're special but because they have a knowing of the one who is special you know what I'm saying so Amen. so they, I, I mean I mean this is where we're at and this is what we need to wrap our minds around is Lord consecrate me this is speaking of Joshua Joshua 7 the sin of Achan he God says Joshua Boy, you got somebody in your unit 
who has squirreled away some devoted things in their tent. You have been made liable for destruction on the field of battle. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove those devoted things from among you. And so God dresses them down by tribe and then by clan and then by family. And then each one, man by man, he dresses them down till he gets to room and he says, you have sinned against me and you've been made liable for destruction on the field of battle. Consecrate yourselves today so that you can stand against your enemies. And so that's what we need to be centering our our hearts on, our spirits on, and fixing our eyes not on these things going on around us, fixing our eyes on Christ Jesus, the captain of our salvation. He is the battle flag. He is the guide on. He is the ensign. He is the standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a banner against them. That banner translates to a battle flag. He literally charges headlong. A shadow falls on you. You hear it snapping in the wind. You see him charging against his enemies, both seen and unseen, and even the very enemies of your own flesh. And you follow him into the fray of battle. When the fog of war starts overwhelming you, you look for that battle flag because it will orient you and it will align you and it will spur you on to continue to fight still yet harder unto mission accomplishment. And that banner over you, ladies and gents, is love. It's the love displayed for you in Christ Jesus. That same love that says, who in the world is going to bring a condemnation against you? No one. Who in the world is going to accuse you? No one. Neither height, nor dead, nor angel, nor demon, nor dark, nor light, no nothing, nothing. Circle it in your scriptures. Nothing in all of creation will separate you from the love that has been, past tense, shown to you in Christ Jesus. If he's already shown to you the depths that he's willing to go for you while you were his enemy, he traded the, he bankrupted, for lack of a better word, the glory of heaven, his son, and he, he was willing to turn his face away from for you while his enemy. How much more now that he calls you friend is he going to be poured out for you? You get what I'm saying? Like, this Amen. is annoying of our God. This is annoying of our God. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, brother. Praise God. There's a few times I almost started shouting hallelujah uncontrollably. And so praise God. Listen, folks, the, like Brother Jamie's saying, the, the Lord has we're going to be victorious. We are here to fight and this is holy war, but you got to understand not everything. Everybody's got their eschatology, their theology, their end times plan laid out to a B. Okay. This is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Then I'm going to go to my underground bunker and then I'm going to get my food and then I'm going to do all this stuff. Right. It's not going to happen like that. Your plans will be destroyed. I'm telling you right now, your plans will be destroyed. You right. You, it, you know, you know our axiom, right, brother? Like, no, no plan survives first contact, period. You know that. I know that. Absolutely. No plan survives first contact. We learned no plan will sur- the day you step off on Paris Island off that bus onto those yellow footprints in the United States Marine Corps, the day the first drill instructor hit that guy upside the head for scratching a sand flea. And I realized right then that all my plans of how I was going to get through boot camp had went through the window. I better figure out something else. Folks, in the last days, our plans are going to go out the window, but God is the one who is going to be there. The Bible describes the remnant, and I'm talking about not some crazy remnant theology, because the remnant are those who follow the lamb wherever he goes. The Bible says that there are broken people. Okay, there and the Lord talks over and over that there are people of broken hearts and there they are a people that don't always have it together. Many are the afflictions of the righteousness, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That tells me that those that are righteous, their plans didn't always work out. God still had to come and deliver them. Amen. I mean, he had to come and deliver them out of there. But the Bible promises in Revelation that we will overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. God is looking for a people who, when the plans are out the window, they're still relying on him. They're willing to follow him because they know that the by the blood is more powerful than anything that the devil is going to throw at them. But if you don't get in the fight now, you're not going to get in later. I'm telling you that right now. If you're waiting for that perfect moment to step out, it'll never happen. We need to embrace the battle now. I'm not talking about going out there and screaming on the corner, everybody's going to hell. I wish I could teach people a little bit of grace sometimes. But I'm talking about getting out there and sharing the good news with Jesus Christ. There might be sometimes you need to share that kind of hard word with people, but you need to get out there and share. I need to, we all need to, as Brother uh, Jamie's talking about, is get in this fight. 
There are tough times coming, but God is a deliverer. He will deliver. And if you don't have a single thing physically prepared, which I believe physical preparedness is good, but God is more, God is greater than a thousand cans of tuna fish, 400 tubes of toothpaste, and a 20 foot underground bunker. God's better than all of that. Absolutely. And he will sustain us. Go ahead. I, I just keep thinking, you know, like the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And, you know, I I challenge my brothers and sisters all the time. I'm like, you got to stop wallowing on your knees in your prayer closets. That's not what it says at the end of the age. It doesn't say hide your hide yourself in your prayer closet, hoping that the wrath of God will pass you by. That time is done and over. Jesus gave you a new command and the new covenant. And he says in Luke 21 and Matthew 24 and Luke 13, I mean, Mark 13 and Luke 21 and, and, and through the book of Revelation and in Daniel and in Jeremiah, he said, Jesus says this in Luke 21. And when you begin to see all these things take place, stand up. And look up because your redemption draws nigh. He doesn't say run and hide. He doesn't say he doesn't say uh, uh, squirrel away and cower. He says stand up and look up. Isaiah sixty one and two. Arise and shine. Arise, stand up, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the people, which it is, the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. I say, listen to the very particular nuances of the of the of the scriptures. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So stop asking God for strength to do what He would have you do. Fully commit to the Lord first. And then he'll strengthen you. He strengthens those who are fully committed. He doesn't fully commit those who are praying and asking for strength. You see how that works? And listen, you're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. He's looking for a few good men. He's literally has a recruiting poster. I am looking for a few good men and women that are going to have that have a knowing of me. They're weak. They're infirm. They're broken. They have messy past. They have deep woundings, right? They, they are, they're reviled by the world. They're considered weak. And that's exactly who I'm going to use to shame the wise because they know me. And it's not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. They know me. They know that my faithfulness is their shield and rhyme power. It's not because they're faithful to me. They know that I am the one who's strong. It's not because they have any strength of their own. They know that I'm the one who not be mocked. They don't mind being un- unjustly treated because they're conscious of Christ. Again, First Peter, like, like they entrust themselves to the one who judges justly. They know me, and that's why they overcome. And so Amen. this holy war isn't waged out from some— some, you know, I, I know a lot of times just because a, a guy like me or brother Frank, we, we speak, we're impassioned, right? So like we speak emphatically and with a lot of passion, people are like, oh, they, I, I've seen it happen so many times. It creates chaos in somebody's spirit. Well, what do I need to be doing? What do I need to be doing? What do I need to be doing? Listen, it's not about what you need to be doing. It's about who you need to be communing with. It's about dwelling, hiding, abiding in the Lord, and he will give you your mission set. He is You're not going to miss it if your eyes are on him. Like I was saying in 2 Chronicles 20 about Jehoshaphat, he goes, Alarmed, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. Alarmed when he saw these armies so much bigger than Israel, so much there was literally nothing they could do against him. He didn't run, he didn't rally the troops, he didn't tell everybody to mobilize, he didn't activate the military. Just like what you were saying about Joshua, I was thinking about Jehoshaphat at the same time. He looked like the worst leader in military history. He called everybody to fast. He didn't say, hey, go get, go gain strength, go feed yourselves, go get water, go get ready for the fight. He actually caused them to fast. And it says he resolved to inquire of the Lord. And you know what his resolution was at the end of it? It's awesome. This was, this was the end state of the King of Israel. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are on you. Like literally, Literally, that's the conclusion that he comes to. I don't know what to do, Lord, but the eyes, but my eyes are on you. And then the spirit of the Lord moved over Jehaziel or one of those other strange, unique Hebraic names. I can't remember for certain. And he stood up in the assembly and he said, do not people of Israel and Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. You will not have to fight this battle. The Lord will fight it for you. But 
you must put on your armor and march out to set in an ambush, but watch what the Lord will do and go out worshiping God for his faithful love endures forever. That was the mission set. So we have to be resolved. This word resolute is so powerful. We have to resolve, resolve ourselves to inquire of the Lord and he will give you your mission set because it's a good mission set. Daniel 12, three says, talking about the times of the likes of which never has been and never will begin. And at that time, Michael, the archangel will rise on behalf of God's holy people, right? And it says, and those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness. There's, you want to know what your mission set is? Turning people back to righteousness. That's what our mission set is. Listen, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man, right? I get all the Nephilimic, freak show, transhumanism, all that stuff going on. But here's one aspect of the days of Noah that nobody's preaching to, and it has more power than knowing and understanding all that other Nephilimery, is that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness. It's about time that we, in anointing of our God, began proclaiming righteousness in the land because nothing makes the, makes the powers of darkness shriek more than a, than a man or woman, a son and daughter of the Most High, who knows their identity in Christ alone and is unashamed of it. Absolutely. And folks, listen, God had Noah out there for 120 years preaching righteousness, and it'll be as in the days of Noah. And you know what? Guess what? Weren't many people listening. Only eight were saved. But the good news is, is if you read in the book of Ezekiel, that it, it, it is and it, and it corresponds. It's somewhere around Ezekiel 30 something. I can't remember right off the top of my head. But it talks about the story of Daniel and Noah and Job. And, and, and even if God sent pestilence or if he sent the sword or if he sent famine, that they couldn't deliver any souls, only their selves. Could they deliver? But then he says, how much worse if I sent all four of my sword judgments, uh, which I believe is like the fifth trumpet or something in revelation anyways they, you look at the same things they cut the uh parallel he says if i send them all at once he says then you're going to see sons and daughters delivered and what he's trying to say is at the last days in the end of time you're going to see the most powerful deliverance in the world's history ever before and so even though noah nobody listened for 120 years and you're going to have times where nobody listens at all but the days are coming and god is going to wake up people and people are already coming to this message of knowing about jesus christ and i'm telling you god just simply needs somebody to go your time in the prayer closet should be strengthening you to get out in the battle but if you never get out and go you know what i feel bad for you because you'll never get to experience the joy of what it means to lead somebody to jesus christ and if you want to see true joy you watch someone go down in those waters of baptism and give their heart to jesus and come up in the lord i remember a good friend of mine robbie his mother, uh, she had, we had studied for some good long time, and she gave her life to Jesus and everything. And she passed away a little long, a little while after that. And we were at the funeral, Jamie, and her, my buddy Robbie and his brother. All they could do is stand up and talk about how their mom had gave their life to Jesus, because the only thing that mattered at the end of that life was that she was going to see them again, and that they would see their mother again because of the faith and who Jesus Christ was. But if nobody steps out. Who will come to know? They won't believe without a preacher, and somebody needs to spread the good news, folks. That's our job. That's what Absolutely. we are to do. And and here's and here's where there's there's no big mystery to this, you know, for for anybody who might hear this. And and this is always the challenge. There's not you don't have to go evangelize the world. You don't have to go evangelize strangers. You need to evangelize those in your very home and in your family. You need to evangelize your wayward adult children that that have sinned against the Lord. But oftentimes we're too fearful about making the relationship awkward that we won't tell our very children the truth about Jesus Christ, about because of these things, the wrath of God remains on you. But in Christ Jesus, the wrath of God no longer will remain upon you. Like, like evangelizing and carrying forward the good news. The reason why it's good news is because there's bad news, by the way, like really, really bad news. There's a reason why it's called the good news, right? And, and we carry this forward to those who the Lord would place in front of us. There's not some huge mystery. It's, it's your 
it's your sons and daughters. It's your relatives. It's your adult children. It's your unbelieving husband. It's your unbelieving wife. It's your, it's your, your church body members that have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They're always learning, but never able to come to understand the truth. They say they're wealthy and needed nothing yet. You know, in your heart of hearts, the spirit is testifying to you that they're going to be among those who say, Lord, Lord. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. And you need to go to them and say, brother, sister, this may be the hardest thing you've ever heard in your life, but you have to know that I love your soul. I care about your standing before a holy God. You have to know you're playing games and the time for playing games has got to stop. You need to consecrate yourself today. Do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did in the desert. If you hear his voice today, you need to repent for the day the Lord is at hand. And, and this is where the war is waged. And this is where the battlefield resides. You know, and my, the prompting to even reach out to you, brother was, uh, was, you know, your, your, um, your recent interview or your recent presentation talking about Demetri Judeman, you know, and, and, um, I'm friends with, uh, Michael Boldea actually speaking with him here pretty shortly out in Ohio. We we're speaking at a conference together. And then again, in San Diego later on in the air, and he's the grand, he's, he's the grandson of Dimitri Dudeman. And so he's actually carried on uh, Helping Hands Ministry, which was his his ministry here in the United States. And his his dreams of visions and his warning to America, we are seeing come into its full convergent zenith right now in our generation. I mean, it's it's happening in real time. I'm I'm privy to all kinds of crazy stuff I could get into. Just know this: what what Brother Frank was sharing last week is reality probably sooner than what most of us realize because of our normalcy bias and, and our, and our, uh, you know, our, our, our neo Babylonian blindness to the reality of going on around us. And this is why it's so critical that we do business with the Lord now willingly rather than later on desperately. Cause I assured you, you will do business with the Lord, but we need to do it now willingly so that we can hold out the word of life in this crooked and perverse generation so that we can be because somebody has to be the prophetic fulfillment of having to know their God and going forth and doing daring feats of valor that somebody has to fulfill that because it's been spoken. Somebody listening to this has to be among those who is wise in the Lord and turns many back to righteousness and shines like bright shining stars in the universe from everlasting to everlasting. Somebody listening to this will be, has to be, because Christ, the very spirit of prophecy has spoken it, will be among those who overcomes by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony and not loving their life so much as they're afraid to lose it. Brothers and sisters, may we consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, if it is your will, I pray that that would fall upon me, not because of who I am, but because of who you are. And I want to proclaim your excellencies from everlasting to everlasting because you delivered me from darkness into the glorious light of the Son that you love. That's why I now have a devotion to duty. This life is not my own. I've taken an oath before you. It belongs to you, Lord. Do with it whatever you will. Praise God, brother. I'm just getting fired up tonight, folks. This is this is real what we're talking about here. As Brother Jamie's saying, the, the things that Demetri Dudeman spoke about, I remember I first heard this right after I got saved in 1999 and gave my heart to the Lord. And I, I remember listening to that testimony, and it just shook me. And I remember the first time I heard Michael Boldia, uh, probably about maybe 2000 uh, in person. I, I mean, I saw him. And um, and I remember this and, and realizing back then, and, and, and now looking at now versus back then, Things were so calm, yet we looked at it back then and thought, wow, you know what I mean? This is an intense time, but boy, we never, I never would have thought the world was in such utter despair as it is in right now. Yeah. And, and the sin is so vulgar that is going on right now that I believe Sodom and Gomorrah would blush at what's happening in the United States of America. The debauchery is so, the stench is so high and stinks so bad. That the like you were saying, we are so far beyond we don't even see it anymore. No, we don't even buy it. If if the general public and especially the the claimants of Christianity knew and understood the depth of what's contained within those Fauci emails, or within the Podesta emails, or within the Clinton emails, or what the CIA is actually doing, and with the ritualistic child sacrifice, and it goes way like like that would be the mercy of God if they only just ritualistically sacrifice them. It goes on and on and on, and it is all all centered out from this nation. 
It is the entire world is in the grip of the lawlessness and the bloodlust and the perversions of this nation alone. We have made the whole world drunk with our immoralities. We traffic in the souls of human beings. Our pharmacia, our sorceries have literally inundated the whole world. And the Christian church will not even acknowledge it. And they say we're wealthy and in need of nothing. Yet God says, oh, my goodness, if you could only see yourselves the way I do, you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, blind and naked. And I'm going to violently vomit you out of my mouth. That's how God sees us. I got to share this with you. True story happened just the other week. Friend of mine and two friends of mine were together. I mean, I hadn't seen them in a while. Um, and they go to a, a church over probably an hour away. And they were telling me that the pa- this was this guy's home church where he was from, told me that the pastor sent them a message and said, you don't get the vaccine. Don't come back to church. That's well, the honest like, truth. Pray- Praise God. Now I know exactly where you stand. I had my I had my doubts, but now I know for sure. I know. I mean, it's like this is like the mark of the beast. You don't get the punch. You don't get the mark. You don't worship. I mean, so who do we go out and share with now? I'm sorry. Do you have the vaccine? Because if you don't, I can't share the good news with you. But the churches are embracing this kind of madness because the governors of their states are their gods instead of the Lord, which the governors have no jurisdiction in the Lord's house. Ask Pastor James Coates up there in, in Canada. Canada who went to prison for simply preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Yep. Woe, woe to those who go down to Egypt and make an alliance, but not by my will. Cursed is the one whose confidence is in man, whose strength is in the flesh. You are that the people are cursed because they worship the kings and the rulers and the principalities of this world, the governments. And all the comforts that come along with worshiping the governments. And therefore, by God's word, they are accursed and he speaks woe over them. Woe, woe, woe. Woe to the complacent. Woe to you who feel secure in Samaria, you most notable men of the four nations. Woe to you. The complacency of fools will kill them, period. Isn't that the truth? The complacency of fools. Folks, the ignorance, that was the one thing that about that prophecy that Brother Dimitri said, and, and well, I'm not going to get into it. You need to go back and listen to the program. But the, one of the gist of it was in this one piece is that if you keeping your eyes upon the Lord, walking in righteousness, God would reveal what's going to happen. But if all you do is look at what's going to happen, you will be swept up in it. And we can't express it enough, folks. There, there, there is God is wanting us to focus upon him and that he will then reveal to us the orders of what we are to do. And he will make sure that we are aware and he will guide us through these last days. And he will begin to open up opportunities for you to witness to people that you never thought you could get through to. Your child that you thought's lost forever. People thought I was lost forever. People thought I was unredeemable. People thought there's no way the Lord can get a hold of a man that's that vile and wicked. You know what, though? God decided to use the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise. And I thank God that is his favorite thing to do because look at the disciples that he chose. The Bible called them unlearned men. That was the Pharisees saying that these are unlearned. They were saying these are the stupid people, and God used those so-called stupid people to turn the world upside down. You know why? Because they were filled with his spirit, and they were willing to go wherever the lamb would lead them. Their flesh was not in control. Back to you, brother. And it says when they saw their courage, they were astonished and took note, what, that they were stellar dudes? No, that they had been with Jesus. It's the same theme from Genesis to Revelation. It's a knowing of our God. It's the same thing from, from the garden to, to Megiddo, Emmanuel, God with us. It's all about the restoration, the redemption, and the renewal of Emmanuel, God with us. It's all about them. It's not about us. It's never been about us. We can't have this, this anthropomorphic, you know, humanistic, human-centric type of reality. It is Christocentric. It is about Jesus Christ. Only ever everything was made for him, through him, and unto him, and back unto him, and everything's for to proclaim his excellencies. But then the son goes, no, I'm doing this that you might know my father, that you might worship my father in heaven, that you might know my father in heaven, that you might proclaim his excellencies. And it's this love fest for one another. And we 
we have been conscript or enlisted right smack into the middle of it to be a part of this amazing, beautiful thing that the Lord is doing. So listen, let me, I'm, I'm gonna, I just shifted gears hard here. Here's the reality. All this stuff is going on and it is all these things are coming down the pipeline for this nation in particular and globally. And, and they are okay. It's, it's not hyperbole. It's not sensationalism. It's not, it's not alarmism. It just is. It's, it's, it's how God deals with nations in history period. Right. Not to mention prophetic stuff, but here's the deal. If you are in Christ Jesus, what in the world will change from tomorrow to today? Nothing. What in the world, if coronavirus was real, which it's not, if it was and you got it, what in the world changes? Nothing. If the Chinese troops start coming in through the Columbia River Gorge and up through the southern border, which they will, what changes from that day to the day before? Absolutely nothing for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing changes. Nothing changes when the bank accounts turned off. Nothing changes when the lights go out. Nothing changes when there's consternation and perplexity and men's hearts failing them for fear of what they see coming up onto the earth. Nothing changes if you're in Christ Jesus. That's why I love Psalm 112. It says, it says, uh, um, you know, blessed are those who fear the Lord, their children be mighty in the land. And it goes down a little bit more. It says, it says, they are never shaken. They do not fear bad news. Their hearts are steadfast trust in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They have no fear. Who is that speaking to? Those who fear the Lord. To those who fear the Lord. They are so jealous for God's glory that they won't even bestow their fear on anything else other than the one who is worthy of it. I will not fear you and I will not fear them. The Lord God alone is worthy of my fear. He commands it. He tells me, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. Do not look at them. See to it that you are not alarmed. Stand up and look up, but you better fear me and you better fear me alone. Do not fear those who can kill body, but you better fear the one who can kill both body and soul. That's who you are to fear. And he says, and in that you are blessed. And in that you will never be shaken. And in that you will have no fear of bad news, no matter what the news is. And in that you will be secure and steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You will have no fear because guess what? I'm going to prepare a table before for you in the presence of your enemies and your cup is going to overflow. And though you may have this cup for a short time that you have to drink down to the bottom and drink it to the jugs, this, this, this cup of, this cup of perplexity, this cup of, of difficulty of endurance and perse- uh, perseverance that's going to, that, that you're required to drink out of one day, I'm going to hand you a cup at my banquet table and it is going to overflow and you are going to dip it in the streams of living water from everlasting to everlasting That is what you set your hope on. That is what you fix your eyes on. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. For the joy set before us, we endure all these things because we have a good inheritance waiting for us in Christ Jesus. Amen, brother. And folks, you got to understand that Psalm 23 because if you don't get into enemy territory, you'll never find the table. You'll never find that cup because God says he will prepare a table. And that means there's a place to fellowship with him in the midst of the enemies. And there is a fresh anointing. Your cup, the oil will overflow when you are there. But if you don't step out and ever engage, you won't find the table. It's an enemy territory. Go rack and reread the Psalms. I remember brother Jamie this chief from this tribe up in the mountains of Africa sharing with me on the side of the mountain about 6 a.m., 5.36 a.m. in the morning, the story of how God sent him to the Maasai. He was a pare, and they sent him off the, back in the 60s down to the Maasai. And his mother wouldn't even let him go. It, it just she, When she told him that she wanted, he wanted to go to the Maasai, she said he put her, she put her hands down in her, her face down in her hands and, and just sat there. And finally she looked up and said no. And he kept badgering and badgering and badgering till finally she let him go. He goes down to the Maasai, way down off the mountain. He's scared to death because the Pari and Maasai are mortal enemies. And, and that's why the, Maasai, the Pari live in the mountains. And so he goes down there and he wants to talk to the chief. And so they tell him the chief's out, but he, he's in this mud hut. And I've been in those mud huts. And brother, they are dark. They are black. You cannot see in them even in the daytime. And 
and he's there at night and he's worried all night long they're going to come and sit there and, and kill him, you know, because he's a mortal enemy. He's a pare. And he, in the middle of the night, they call him out and they say, the chief's here. And he goes out there. He's scared to death, right? That this is going to be it. And he goes and he says, they said, where are you here? And he said, I'm here to share the good news. I'm bringing you the gospel from the mountains about Jesus. And they said that the that the Libon, the chief, looked at him and he said, where have you been all these years? And in that midst of his enemies, he found that table, brother. It came back to my mind immediately, and it blew me away that if he would never have stepped out in faith, he would have never found that table to sit at. Folks, God is asking us to step out in this last hour. Here's the good news. Brother Jamie and myself, we're far from perfect. Matter of fact, I, I, I can't speak for everything of Jamie. I'm the chief of sinners. If, if, when I was in the Marines, I thought pornography was something that every Marine did, looked at. I thought that's just what we did. We chased women. We did everything. We drank. We fought. We did that every, all the time. That was normal behavior. I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have anything good. And in 1999, I lost my reputation completely. I was exposed for the fraud that I was. But it was in that moment that I had nothing that God offered me a different way. See, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or how long you've called yourself a Christian. If you are willing to turn back to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive. That's all it takes. And Brother Jamie, I know you've been through that situation. You know what it's like to realize that finally that day when it hits you, that you've just been nothing but a disaster for so long. Absolutely. And God yep. finally gets a hold of you and turns you back. And brother, I'm just asking you could just close down this show tonight with some words of encouragement um, for the listening audience here. Yeah, I just I, I was just thinking, you know, as we were talking that that, you know, for I don't know why it's been removed from from this dispensation from this church age. But but for those who would hear this, listen, you you were foreknown for warfare that period. There's there's no other context by which you can understand Genesis to Revelation and even your Christian calling an election. You are foreknown from warfare from Genesis 3.15 all the way to the very end. It ends with the rider on the horse riding out to make war. And we've been conscripted. We've been called good soldiers of Christ. We've been given a commission, a great commission, with its, which is an authorized military appointment. It says if you suffer unjustly because you're conscious of Christ, it's to your commendation. That's literally a military medal pinned upon your chest. You're given armor. You're commanded to take the sword, which is literally Christ in your hand to make war. You're told that you have divine power to war against all things and to tear down strongholds. You have been foreknown for warfare, period. That is a Christian because there is a war against a king and a kingdom. There is a war of two realms. There is the sons of disobedience and the heirs of a promise. There is the seed of the serpent and there's the seed of the woman. And there's no shade of gray in the kingdom of heaven. There's only one shade of glory. And there is a war on for that. So listen, you've been foreknown for war. But guess what? You've also been equipped for warfare. Christ in you. He is the true and better warrior. You are fighting against a disarmed foe. He disarmed the powers of darkness. He made a public spectacle, shaming them at the cross. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness into the glorious light of the sun he loves. You have been foreknown for warfare, but you have also been foreknown for consummate victory because it is has been already past tense done in Christ Jesus. And as he overcame and sits at the right hand of the Father, so to you who overcome will sit at the right hand of the Father. You will be given the right to eat from the tree of life. You will be made pillars in his temple. He will give you a new white stone with a name written on it known just between you and him. And never will you have to depart from his presence ever again. Finally, the fulfillment of Emmanuel. He will be your God and you will be his people and you will dwell with him in the new Jerusalem forever and ever. This is a good word. So don't shrink back from the war. It is what you've been foreknown for, but it is also what you have been for equipped for as well too. Listen, the lost and dying world needs you. I need you. 
Brother Frank needs you. I need you to be on your spiritual A game. I need you. When you pray, I need things to be happening. And it says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effectual. Husbands, I need you to live in consideration with your wives because it says if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. I need you to get things squared away in your home. I need you to consecrate your house and be the high priest of your house where you haven't been. I need my brothers and sisters to enter into a knowing of the Lord. I ought to have that expectation of you and you ought to have that expectation of me. I need you. You are the coalition forces of the Lord of the heavens armies, period. So I need you to be on your A game and you need me to be on my A game because we've been given a great, a great commission. We have been given a very exceedingly great commission, and it is to save the souls of men through the good news of the completed work of Jesus Christ and to strike a blow against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, all those within and all those without. It's a great commission. So we need to we need to uh, allow the Lord to strengthen our feeble needs and to make us mighty for battle like he did all the all the all the uh, um, heroes of the faith of old how they were made strong in battle the lord god in you will make you strong in battle the fight is not yours but his but you have to put on your armor and you have to march out worshiping to set in the ambush so that you can watch god do what you could never do on your own and that and in that you can never taint, steal, or mar his glory, but only ever praise him because his faithful love endures forever. So I just Amen. want the people to be reminded of that and and uh and we can pray, brother, if you're if you're ready. Yes, let's let's pray, folks. Thank you, brother, for coming on tonight. And and we're just gonna close in prayer because listen, you you may think you don't have the courage. You know what? I don't have the courage, but you know what God does? He does. Amen. And I've most times I've been very afraid, but you know what? When I stepped out and I did it anyways, and I had to rely upon God, that's when I've seen the miracles happen. That's when I've seen the things happen that they only talk about in churches today because it was in situations where I, even though I was afraid, I went and stepped out in faith anyways and watched God do his work. This is what the Lord is calling us in this last hour to step out, even in the places where we know we have not the strength. Let's pray. Brother, please pray for us tonight. Yeah, sure thing. Lord, I thank you and praise you that we still have the opportunity to seek your face together, um, even to to be able to use technology the, the way we are and to share in fellowship and communion, God, and to and to just seek your face while it may be found. I know that you say that there's a there's a horrific famine that's coming in the land and it will not be a famine of food or drink, but it will be of the hearing of the word of the Lord and that men will stagger like drunkards from coast to coast looking for it and they won't find it. I praise you, God for your word that you've given us, for the word, your son, Christ Jesus, which you've given us. And Lord, I pray that we would be good stewards, that we would be faithful servants, and that we would heed your command, not your suggestion, to take the sword into our hands, which is your your very son, Lord. And I just praise you for how um, it's your faithfulness that's our shield and our rampart. Praise be to you, God, that it's not dependent on our faithfulness. We fail 10 times out of 10. I just thank you, Lord, for the covering of your son. I thank you for your patience and your long suffering. I thank you for your strength and your wisdom, God. I thank you that you don't treat us the way our sins deserve, Lord, or, or, or the way that our, our, our reward us according to our iniquities, God. I praise you that you heal all of our wounds and you cure all of our diseases, Lord, that you bind up the brokenhearted. I praise you, God, that when you speak, like you did against the walls of Jericho, nothing can stand against them. And when you speak over our feeble and timorous hearts, Lord, they will be stilled and they will be strong. I praise you, God, that it has nothing to do with us. That I, I'm alarmed, Lord. I'm alarmed at the things that I see. I, I have my physiological fear responses and my anxieties and my timorousness and my, my wonderings and my what ifs. But Lord, as alarmed as I am, I am resolved, resolved. I have resolved, God, to inquire of you. Lord, what would you have me do? I don't know, have a clue what to do. Are you kidding me? I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. But my eyes are on you, Christ Jesus. I'm going to fix them on you. you. The good work that you've begun, you will see through com- to completion. And I know that I have a living hope 
and an inheritance that is being kept for me. And God, you have promised you're going to get me home to it by your power, no matter what. So I rest in you, Christ Jesus. I rest in you and be still on my soul. I command my faculties be still and know that you alone are God and that your love your love has already been displayed for me while I was your enemy, and now you call me son and friend. So I just praise you, Lord, that we get to seek your face and that we get to know you and walk with you. Speak over my brothers and sisters, Lord. Pour out your spirit in a new way, God. May, the, may this latter glory be far greater than the former. We're waiting in Jerusalem. We're waiting, God, for the outpouring of your spirit. We're waiting for a double portion, God, because we have a double portion of wickedness in this last generation. We're waiting for a double portion of your spirit, God. And I know, Lord, that you will give us all that we need to be faithful to you unto the end. I just praise you again, Lord, and I pray all these things through the powerful, life-giving name of our warrior king, Messiah Ben David. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Jamie, thank you so much. How can the people uh, keep up with what's going on with your ministry? Yeah, sure. You can you can follow what's going on at uh, omegadynamics.org. And also, uh, I am hosting a, uh, a summit this year down in Missouri where uh, we're gathering together to prepare for the church to be able to operate and continue to advance through the fog of war in an underground capacity. So the work's never going to stop no matter how hostile the territory is. So we're we're getting together at this beautiful camp retreat thing in, in Missouri, and we're going to be building in networks of the underground church so that we know where our brothers and sisters can find shelter and refuge and healing and edification and worship with one another, no matter how, how hard the enemy tries to silence us and force us underground. So they can find Hallelujah. out about that on the website as well. Absolutely. And you've got a YouTube channel. I'll uh, link over to that. So folks, please go over there and subscribe and check out and keep up with what's going on. This is the real stuff. This is not This is not what's going on in the modern day churches. This is where the boots meet the ground. This is what God's calling us to, not a superficial relationship, but actively involved in the battle. This is Brother Frank and Brother Jamie Walden on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountains. Though a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Though a trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountains. Though a trumpet in Zion.